0: My name is Dr. Michaela Keegan Yadley, and I've spent the last 17 years of my career in schools as a teacher and principal. I started the Dissect Ed podcast to help you by using my strengths of connecting and relating to bring amazing guests to you each week. We will cover a wide range of topics related to all aspects of and roles in education. My goal, for you to enjoy and feel successful in your role so we keep amazing teachers and leaders in schools. Thank you for all you do. Take care and enjoy. This podcast episode is brought to you by the 3D Printing Man. Get everything from custom food bowls for your pets to chore lists for your family in more than 15 vibrant colors, all custom designed. Visit his store on Etsy by searching The 3D Printing Man, all one word. Again, that's The 3D Printing Man on Etsy and get 10% off with the code DISSECTED. Happy Tuesday, everybody. I am excited to be back with another episode of Dissect Ed. Today, you are going to hear from Director of College and Career, David Michael Jose, He's the Director of College and Career Advising at Blackstone Valley Prep. And I have to tell you, not just because I worked with him for three years, but actually because I worked with him for three years and saw how incredible he is at cultivating relationships with every single kid and helping them on their individual path beyond high school. What he does is incredible. So I wanted to have him on so that he could talk real deeply about what goes into truly cultivating those relationships and helping students figure out what do I want to do after high school and how am I going to get there? Um, There's a reason why Blackson Valley Prep High School is consistently ranked in the top schools in the state for FAFSA completion and college acceptances and and, um, scholarship money awarded. And a lot of that has to do with, actually all of it really has to do with his leadership. So without further ado, Here's our interview with David Michael Jose. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Dissect Ed podcast. I am so excited today because I have somebody who is really special to me on the podcast today. Um, He is the director of college and careers for Blackstone Valley Prep Network, uh, the upper elementary school, middle school, high school. You can correct me, Jose, if you need to. Um, His hobbies include sports, gambling, pop culture, and his dogs. Um, His background is that he's been working in education for 14 years as a teacher, administrator, nonprofit director, and now he directs the guidance department at Blackstone Valley Prep High School. He, as a joke, said I could introduce him as David Michael Jose, but you're going to hear me call him Jose for the rest of the episode. His name really is David Michael Jose, but everybody knows him as Jose. So that's what we will refer to you as for the whole rest of the episode. So welcome. I like you. <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah, you can talk now. <laughs>
1: welcome. what's up?
0: What's up? It's good to see you.
1: Good to see you. I love the t-shirt. Nice
0: you chose that oh, yeah. on purpose yeah I
1: wore, I wore this shirt on purpose yeah on purpose. Yeah, I figured. It's the day before school starts. I'm happily miserable. Mm-hmm. it's my it's my whole vibe.
0: yeah, it is a vibe. <laughs> thanks for joining me on the day before school starts. um no
1: problem. This is the first time in my uh career as an educator that the day before school starts, I'm not in school. So
0: wow, it's a pretty big, that's a huge, momentous, that's celebratory a day. big accomplishment.
1: <laughs> yeah. I need
0: to celebrate that for a second.
1: Yeah, that's pretty awesome.
0: Yeah. You must have listened to the episodes on Burnout. <laughs>
1: um, I did yeah, actually listen to the episodes on Burnout. It, it reminded me that that's real. Yes. <laughs> so,
0: yeah. I'm so glad you stayed home today. Nice job.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm proud of myself. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's still early. I suppose I could No. We'll just make this episode last
0: like, you know, three hours. Um, mm-hmm. I want to jump into this. So this episode is timed intentionally for the start of the school year. I'm sure some people listening have already started school. I know that in Connecticut, we all start tomorrow. You guys start tomorrow. And then a lot of Rhode Island starts um, the week after. So after Labor Day. But in the high school world uh, where we talk about college applications, you know, I know from working with you that the college application process probably started a couple months ago for this year's seniors. Well, actually, probably before that. Um, And I say this without, you know, um, shading anybody that I've worked with in the past at all. I just happen to have met you and you are the best college and career counselor I've ever met. Um, I know. Sorry, I have to say it because it's true. And there's a reason why you're on the podcast and it's because I've never met somebody who can work with so many different kids at one time and have a system amongst all the chaos of the college admissions and applications process and trying to help young people decide what they're doing after college, never mind during a pandemic. So this is timed for now because I know that across the country, it's one thing that every single high schooler does at the same time, which is they all have common deadlines and a common process to go through including taking SATs to applying. So I thought this was really timely. Um, So I want to get right into it and just ask you, uh, my first question for you is you've been the Dean of College and Career BVP for seven years. Can you describe your role? Well, you're director now, but can you describe your role? What do you do? What is a college and career advisor?
1: Well, so actually, it's kind of funny what I do and what a college and career (laughs) advisor is aren't necessarily exactly aligned my role at BVP, I was a founding college and career advisor, but I was also taught coding in English and done a bunch of administrative things um, that you made me do <laughs> that, I didn't want to, that I didn't want to do necessarily. Um, and so I'm sort of a jack of all trades for for BVP, but our, my primary focus is building out and um, having a successful guidance department. Uh, and so the work that I do is managing my team. We have uh, two pretty incredible college and career counselors, Ashley Gemma and Lorena Arango. They'll be super mad that I'm shouting them out because they're all like me and they don't like that, but they're pretty amazing. We have a partnership with the College Advising Corps, uh, which provides us with an AmeriCorps uh, members, how we got Ashley. Yep. And uh, last the last two years, we had a pretty incredible one named Danny mm-hmm. Roscoe, and this year we just hired someone named Simone Andrews, who we're really pumped about having. And so I've managed that team. Uh, in in sort of getting kids ready to send applications and et cetera. I also work really closely with our school social worker. Uh, so like guidance has this blurry line of, it's not really mental health counseling, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of times kids come to you with things that, need to be addressed with mental health Mm -hmm. counseling or with sort of a licensed professional and so my relationship with our school social worker is really helpful because kids can come from my office i can literally stand them up and walk them next door to her office and say like i think the three of us need to have a conversation about like what to do next um and so that's that i mean that's really the bulk of what you do i try to spend as much time as i can with students as you know and as anyone at the school knows i would prefer the company of 400 students to two adults. (laughs)
0: Yes, that's true.
1: Um, And so I like to try to spend as much time in the beginning of the year, getting to know the freshmen, as well as organizing the uh, the seniors, and then sort of work with the 10th and 11th graders sporadically throughout the year. This year is a little bit different. I mean, it's different for like 17,000 reasons, Mm -hmm. but... For our 10th graders this year, like most of some of them have never been in our building because wow, they true. did distance learning all last year. Right. So we have ninth and basically like two freshman classes. And so I have to work a little harder to get to know some of those 10th graders and the ninth graders uh, this year. But this particular senior class uh, is the first class to go from BVP's kindergarten all the way through to their 12th grade. And so it's a pretty big accomplishment for this group of kids. Wow.
0: That's the year's senior class?
1: That's this wow, year
0: time so. flies um it really does. so real quick, you mentioned ninth graders getting to know ninth graders and then ninth and tenth graders as part of what you try to intentionally set out to do, but we're talking about you know seniors and applying to college why would you why would you intentionally try to get to know the ninth graders new to the building this year
1: well i I mean So part of the reason is because the college process isn't a college process. It's a process of self-discovery and college is this sort of metric or or stop on your sort of journey of self-discovery, but it starts before you start applying to college. So for a lot of it, I want kids to be able to feel comfortable coming to me to talk about like, hey, I think I want to be a dentist, right? Or I think I want to be an engineer or I want to work here. And we can have those sorts of conversations and connecting the academic decisions that they make. Right, and the academic goals that they set for themselves with a little bit of what they see themselves doing in the future but so that's like the big picture reason why i would spend some time with ninth and tenth graders practically speaking i have these notebooks for each grade and each page of the notebooks has a kid's name and so throughout the four years i try to write down anecdotes or conversations oh. that i've had with the students so that when i write their counselor letters of recommendation when they're seniors they're authentic and true to the voice of the growth that the students made from ninth to 12th grade. And it's really cool in a letter of rec to say, I had this awesome conversation with this really energetic ninth grader who wanted to be a doctor and now he's applying to your business program and here's the here's what's happened <laughs> in between then. And because there's so many kids, I spend like, I just have to write it down. So- um, I love that. another reason why I, I spent time with ninth
0: and 10. Oh, I worked with you for three years and didn't even know you did that. <laughs>
1: Nobody knows I did that. That was like a trade secret that I am
0: releasing on your podcast. Here we go. (laughs) Hot take. All right. Um, No, I mean, so, I mean, that will probably come up though, things like that um, over the course of this episode, because I do really want to talk about the fact that, yes, you know, I worked for you or with you for three years, I should say for you. Um, because I really like, I kind of did, but, um, no, like as the head of school and you were uh Dean of college and careers when I came in, um, you already had an incredible reputation, but that became so evident to me like on day two. So I, I know how, how incredible you are, but there's also, there's data that speaks to the results of the work that you lead in the department. So, I'm wondering if you can tell me a little bit about, as background, just Blackstone Valley Prep in general, because there are people listening who may have heard of it before, don't really know what it is, may have some misconceptions about what a charter school in Rhode Island is versus, say, a magnet school in Connecticut or Massachusetts, and then never mind, across the country. So what is Blackstone Valley Prep? What's the composition? Is it a private school? Tell me a little bit about that before we go into um, – Kind of the results that you've gotten from students uh, in the college and career uh, realm.
1: Sure. So I I mean, I don't have my my fact sheet in front of me. That's okay. I'm going to do this as
0: uh, I don't want fact sheets anyway.
1: (laughs) Okay. Well, I'm just saying I'm probably supposed to read a fact sheet. But uh, (laughs) Placid Valley Prep is a uh, is a intentionally diverse charter school network in northern Rhode Island. Uh, what we mean by intentionally diverse is we pull from four different school districts. So students can apply to be a part of Blackstone Valley Prep uh, from Pawtucket and Lincoln and Cumberland and Central Falls. And so our sort of racial ethnic backgrounds are pretty mixed. We have sort of a a model that isn't 100% free and reduced lunch and it isn't 0% free and reduced lunch. We have students coming from sort of wide variety of backgrounds. And we believe that sort of the experience of having to navigate your educational journey in a diverse setting, is sets you up to be successful when you're in college and, and sort of the world beyond the mission of the organization. So it's different than you would see as like, I worked at a school in New Orleans, which was labeled a diverse school, but we weren't really diverse in the sense that we were like, predominantly pulling kids from the same neighborhood with the same background and the same sort of economic status, right? And so while it could have been labeled diverse, you wouldn't have looked at the classroom and felt like it was a diversity of experiences being reflected there. And BVP is very different uh, in that regard.
0: And you said apply, but that's a, that's a lottery, yeah, said, right?
1: Oh, yeah, no, yeah, I'm sorry. So apply is probably the wrong. You have to fill out a thing to get in, but it's not weighted on performance or recommendations. Like you. we have a waiting list that's like a mile long. And part of that is because like we're chartered for X number of seats in the in the district. And so uh, what what happens is students apply, it's weighted for two things. The lottery is weighted for, uh, actually, I don't know. Siblings. I think it, it's weighted for siblings and, and free and reduced yep. lunch. Like those are the things that typically weight um, the lottery, but otherwise it's, it's pretty blind. And so you would. It's it's unsurprising, right? If you looked at our kindergarten class, our kindergarten classes are a lot closer to 25% from each of the towns, Uh right? By the time you get to high school, some of our students from Lincoln and Cumberland have different options, Uh right? Like the Cumberland High School, Lincoln High School are amazing high schools, right? And they're big, and they offer football and hockey and, and opportunities like that. Some of them will go to private schools, they'll even go to LaSalle, Uh Hendrickon or or St. Ray's. Um, And so are, we're a little skewed at the high school with more students from Central Falls, Tuckett and, and parts of Cumberland uh, than you would see necessarily at, uh, at the younger grades. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to sell short the sort of intentionally diverse experience that our students have at the high school. Either.
0: Yeah, no. And I can speak to the efforts that we always put in each year to retaining all of our students and making sure that we do reflect the diversity of the, the four towns that we uh, that we pull from. Thanks for the overview there. Um, I'm going to ask you some more stuff, though, because uh, I want to know, I mean, I know that from being at BVP, being the head of school, that BVP High School has consist- consistently led the state in college applications submitted, college acceptances, and FAFSA completion rates. And for anybody listening, FAFSA is the uh, Federal Application for Free Student Aid and, oh, Free Application for Federal Student Aid. <laughs> completion phase. Well, I wasn't going <laughs> to correct you. I corrected myself. Um, but can you just, you don't have to have the data sheet in front of you, but can you give us a breakdown of approximately how many college applications, acceptances, scholarship money is awarded each year?
1: Yeah. I mean, so I can give, I'll give you sort of a basic average mm-hmm. of our uh, first through four, I don't think we've had four graduating yep. classes. Um, and our classes in size range from about 75 kids to about 90 kids, roughly right now. Yeah. That's going to get a little bigger in the coming years, but that's what we're looking for. So we average about 500 applications wow. to schools, um, which breaks down to somewhere between five to six applications per student. Uh, we typically applied in North of 150 colleges last year. We applied 163. Wow. Uh, we were, we had acceptances to over a hundred, which was really exciting. Yeah. Um, and our FAFSA completion rate, I don't know what the official state number is mm-hmm. right now, but it, like our internal number is at 88%, wow. which would put us, uh, at the highest level yeah. right now. I think the state has us like third, because we're behind Black Island, which has like 12 FAFSAs to complete, um, and, um, some of the other schools, but we're outperforming our sending districts in terms of FAFSA completion. And some of that's because we're a smaller school, but some of it is because we're really laser focused on supporting families through that process. So they're not doing it on their own.
0: Good. So th- let's have that lead into our, my next question is, I mean, the, it's a cheesy question, which is like, what's your secret, but really like what's yes. behind that? Like what's, what's behind it? Cause I know that does, I've been in high schools for, so I'm going to year 17. So at, in various roles, but I know that that does not just happen. You can't just say, here's the deadline. Here's FAFSA, especially because there are so many first generation college students um, so how, what do you do? How do you do that?
1: Well, I think it starts with like working, it starts with having the college and career office in general, right? Like BvP network made a conscious decision to like, to have people working solely with the purpose of making sure kids have a plan when they leave high school. Right. And so like typically you go to guidance offices and they're responsible for this initiative and that initiative. And they're also responsible for uh, AP test coordinating and all and all those sorts of things. And it can become hard yeah. as, a, as a guidance counselor to effectively just work on on that limited sort of scope. And so BVPs really tried to to fine tune the focus of the department that I have uh, to college and career support. Also, because we spend time trying to build relationships with younger students earlier, it's not the first time a family is meeting us or hearing about us when they become seniors. And part of that reason, that's like one of the reasons why I don't assign kids counselors at our school. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a pretty remarkably different approach than almost every other yeah. school I've been to. But I want a student or a family to feel like they can come to any of the four of us who are working there and have an honest conversation about what they're looking for to get support. Now the systematic approach to making that happen is like making sure you've got notes somewhere for people to read on conversations you've had and some kids will naturally gravitate to certain personalities, but the idea is that, you know, if we have someone who's out like leading a college trip, and this other kid comes in and he's like, "Oh, I was working on my essay with, with Gemma." I'm like, "All right, well, I've read your essay too because like I made sure I read it. So let's I'll walk you through some of the feedback." And because we do a lot of that together as a team, a lot of the feedback that we give is aligned. Mm-hmm. And so I'm pretty confident that if I never saw a kid's essay, Gemma and Rangel would give them the exact same feedback that I'd be giving them because we've been doing it together. My team's the most stable team that we have in the in the network. Really, I mean, we have like. Lorraine's been there almost six years. I've been there eight years at this point. This is my eighth year. Right. Yeah. Eight. Yeah, eighth year. And and Gemma's been with us for all four senior year classes we had her for. And so like we have a we try to build a reputation with students and and part of the reason we're still together is because we're able to focus on what we want to focus on. Right. Like and we're not being pulled in thousands of directions where we're we're able to prioritize that and as what the work that we want to do so i mean that's that's a big piece of the secret is just like having the sort of organizational capacity and desire to prioritize this work right and um protecting the time for uh for college and career conversations i think i like to i'm like it's really funny i'm pretty organized in my head but i need support sometimes in like organizing like spreadsheet systems, that sort of work. But in general, I like to make sure that everything is documented and checked multiple times by multiple people, right? And so because this is the first time a lot of our families have gone through the college application process, there's a lot of handholding that you need to do and reassuring that you need to do and a lot of triple checking that you need mm-hmm. to do because you can send to-do list home and some of this stuff might not make sense. To a family, and if you're not checking up and following up and saying, "Hey, let me see that application one more time before you send it in," you could be missing key pieces of information. And and colleges are receiving so many applications that at that point, like if it's not a completed, like truly complete application, it's going to throw away, right? And it's not going to matter. So I think just like sort of having a organized approach to how we support the students um, is important. And so like everything that a student does for college is something that goes through our office. So it's on a Google doc. I've seen everything. They don't type in the, in the common app, they type in a Google document so I can read it, um, give them feedback. Nothing goes in there until we've signed off on it. And so mm-hmm. that sort of helps us feel confident that the application that they're putting out is, is the best version of uh, of the application that could be sending.
0: Got it. And when you were talking um, and even though like, I, I mean, I know this, I know you, I, I know how, you guys work together, but something hit me as you were talking just about like, what's your secret. Um, the phrase that came to me was working with the end in mind, kind of like working with like, where do they, where do, where do the kids need to be? What's the ultimate goal? And then what are the most essential things to get them there? And kind of trying to cut out the stuff that doesn't, the stuff that doesn't really fit what you're trying to do with kids and trying to protect that space, but really beginning with the end in mind.
1: Yeah, and I think in order to begin with the end of mind, like functionally, you have to ask, like, you you can't be pushing students and assuming this is a one size fits all where I'm going to do a common application workshop where 30 kids are going to sit okay. with me and they're going to go piece by piece because everyone's story is so individual, right? And the support that a student needs to fill out the common app can be wide ranging from like, hey, I filled it all out. Can you read it to me? To like, why am I doing this? To like, oh, I'm just going to do it to, to get Jose off my back, <laughs> right? Or some... Any of those versions Mm -hmm. of it, so I have a really hard time. I've really pushed against this idea of like having a seminar of just seniors where they're doing the work because it is such an individualized process. And like we're fortunate that in our schedule we have a block of time where our students are working with mentors, and Mm -hmm. that's time when like we can pull them, and so they're not missing academic time, but they're able to have one-on-one or one-on-two sort of conversations and support. Mm -hmm. It allows us to pull family members, have that sort of those conversations as well. And so I like it's highly, highly, highly individualized. And it's a lot of work. Like that's why the organization piece is important. And it's why like September, October, November is just chaos for us in a lot of ways because it's so individualized. Like we could streamline it, just do it in a seminar, and probably get eighty-five percent of what we're getting right now. That would be my estimate. And like for me, that's not enough, which mm-hmm. is why I think we're working on this individual. And it's gonna like the stress point of this individualized thing is coming because our classes are getting bigger yeah right and so like how do you sort of like scale that up is an important thing that we're sort of thinking about but I don't want to lose the core identity of who the team is which is like individual support systems uh, for you. you have four college and career counselors who are working with you not just one right and um, that's the sort of ethos and, and sort of vibe I want the students to feel when they when they work with us.
0: I mean, it's working because you're leaving the state, especially in FAFSA um, submission, which is is so important. Um, When do you start that conversation about FAFSA? Like, is it after they apply? Like, when do you start talking to kids and families about that?
1: So we start talking about it in spring of their junior year. Okay. Um, And... So like the, one of the first parts of filling out a FAFSA is creating an FSA ID right, and having an ID for you and the student needs an FSA ID and the family needs an FSA ID. And so we usually will have workshops for juniors to make their FSA ID mm-hmm. as one of the sort of first indications that we're now on this college application journey. Okay. It usually starts around the SAT. So mm-hmm. they take the SAT sometime after the SAT, shortly after the SAT, we do FSA IDs and the conversation with them is like, hey, 12 months from now, you're going to know where you're going to school. Now we're on a journey together for 12 months. And so our real journey starts a little bit towards April and May of their uh, of their junior year. And the FAFSA opens in October. Okay. And so we'll, we'll mention the FAFSA in um, in communication with families and students in September. And then we'll have an information night. Uh, and then we also do like a wide... Now, I, I mean, I'm not sure what it's going to look like in a pandemic setting, but we do this sort of... FAFSA workshop night, mm-hmm. where not only do we introduce it, but it's like, if you bring your taxes in, like, we'll help you fill out the FAFSA right here, yep. right? And so we see, I'd like, we try to get them in. And some families are like, thanks for the information, we can do it. And some families are like, "I we need support. Some families, are like, have complicated financial situations, yep. right? And so therefore, they sort of make appointments with us to do it on their own. But we try to be as involved as the family wants us to be. And so we don't just say, here's the information about the FAFSA, fill it out and do this. We're saying, hey, <laughs> Here's the information about the FAFSA, what support do you need to complete it and to complete it like effectively. Um, And we partner with the College Planning Center in Rhode Island as well to sort of give support to families who might have like complicated financial situations, particularly like if they own a business. Uh Right. And like how those taxes are reflected on the FAFSA is a pretty important element in how the school is going to see the financial situation yeah. with the family right mm-hmm. so i never want to submit something if it's a situation in taxes where i'm like i've never seen this before i'm going to call someone over there and have them walk me and the family through it so i learn it and they learn it.
0: so you reach out for for even though like even though you guys really are essentially experts in this in this area when there's something that's new you you reach out to whoever you need to or whoever you can to help yeah, solve i'll call, I'll call it I'll call
1: admissions officers and financial aid officers. Sometimes if I've got a question on something like that, I mean, it's really amazing that every year i found several situations that like I didn't anticipate. Uh, and that's another reason why you want to know your ninth and 10th graders. So you can start to anticipate this family situation dynamic, right? Uh-huh. Is two different households, right? right. And so getting the information from both households that we have to start that conversation now, right? Or this family is hesitant to fill it out because some members of the family might have, might not have documentation, yep. right? Yep. And so, like, there's a complicated, nuanced way that you approach some of those things. And so, getting to know them as early as possible, and getting them to sort of trust you and bring you that information, you can start to advise them on how best to sort of set themselves up to be filling out the FAFSA in their senior year. Um, yeah.
0: Now, what? So you talk a lot about um, getting to know students, and then you're talking about like anticipating, you know, the scalability challenge. Of how personalized the process is, but I know that. It, what role do teachers play in this for you? How do they? I know it's changed and ebbed and flowed over the years with different, not models, but different approaches. Depending on you know, do we have a classroom <laughs> space I, for? I'm, I'm
1: sorry. It's usually my. Some, it's usually my somebody dogs. Walk, somebody walked by. Yeah, it's not allowed. Co- 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 so let me nobody. It. <laughs> it's okay. I'm not gonna. It, it's,
0: it's really co- fine. Yeah. Um, hi, Coco. Um, what was it? <laughs> I gave my dogs a, a pretty big bone each and they're in the kitchen. That's, uh, that's my podcast hack, but sometimes they fight over it and I just do- oh, hi, Coco. Well, this is the part that's making the video. <laughs> uh, my question was, um, what role do teachers play in this for you? as you're talking about like getting to know students and their situations and their families and the the dynamics and all of that, like how do you leverage teachers in the building? So
1: I think we probably do it in three ways, right? One, because we know students, we try to be available because we try to get to know students. We try to be available to teachers to talk through specific student challenges way before, uh, 12th grade year. Like we'll have 10th grade teachers come in the office all the time and be like, I don't know how to support this student. Or mm-hmm. like, actually, we just had a conversation with them last week. Like, here's something you do. And so that puts- <laughs> it's okay Um, the <laughs> the So that builds trust in the teacher community mm-hmm. uh with the school, uh, with the college and career office specifically. I think we try to we try to make the process of writing the letters of recommendation as easy as possible for for teachers. We try to do that earlier we have students call it these brag sheets that make the writing a little bit easier Mm -hmm. because it's a huge burden on teachers and particularly there's a concentrated group of teachers who teach the 11th and 12th right right and so the the burden isn't evenly distributed amongst Mm -hmm. the faculty so being as supportive as possible on letters rec i read any letter of recommendation that the teachers write to give them like Anything from grammar feedback to hey, this story that the student's telling needs to be a little bit more tailored to their academic growth as opposed to their sort of communication skills or or some some version of that. Uh, and then we try to be as available to the mentor groups as possible. So if a mentor group is having a conversation, and those are teachers, right? If they're having a conversation about resumes, like we'll come in and do a resume mm-hmm. workshop for them, and or if they're having a conversation about uh, the the career world, mm-hmm. like we'll try to support them. That as well. Okay.
0: um Yeah. So obviously, like being on the same page or having open communication with teachers is definitely
1: helpful uh, yeah, for you. I, I, you know, I think like what I try to ensure is that teachers don't feel like they are the college counselors, right? That like because in a lot of ways they're not, mm-hmm. right? And like what you see a lot is sometimes teachers and and I was someone who did this mm-hmm. too when I was same. teaching specifically is like my experience in college. Is something that i'm is the lens that i view the college application process through right so like oh when, when i was in college like we i applied this this and this and it's like that's not always helpful because your situation when you were applying to school is largely very very different mm-hmm. than maybe what our student situation looked like and that's why it goes back to that sort of like individualized approach yeah. to each student because my experience of applying to college has shaped how i see the world but doesn't mean that that's how a student x is gonna sort of interact the same way they're not going to have the same financial situation or or whatever right right? and so um so i don't want teachers to feel like they have to be college counselors but i do want teachers to feel like they are support systems for students right and like teachers like the bond you build in your class over the course of the year is is special it's not nothing right right? and so while i try to say you're not like to teach like you're not the college counselor but you are someone who knows the kids really well and like you because you know the kids really well have gained the trust of the students. And so sometimes the advice that I want to give needs to go through a teacher to the student, because that student, the trusted adult in the building Mm -hmm. for that student is that teacher. Right. Right. So trying to get, trying to align ourselves on some of those difficult conversations so that the messaging is consistent from the college and career office and the mentor group in the classroom.
0: Got it. Mm -hmm. Um, So I want to switch gears a little bit. We are going to get into, you know, the five, top five things you would tell counselors the, to do right now. But before we do that, I do want to talk a little bit about the fact that you do lead the state in FAFSA completion. You are consistently, I would say, if we if we broke it down by student, students are being awarded probably, I'd say probably top five in how much financial aid and scholarships. They're, they're, I shouldn't say financial aid, I should say scholarships that they're being awarded.
1: Institutional, institutional merit scholarships are our average for that over the last four classes has been north of 5 million. Right, I years, mean, it's,
0: so. yeah. So obviously there's a focus at BVP on, I mean, it's, it's the mission, right? To prepare all students for success in college and the world beyond. So we're always thinking in the, in the true north is is college and college. And then it comes to a head really in, you know, in high school, especially in 11th and 12th grade. But do all students, do you find that every student it intends to go to college. Never mind if they do, but now they're, you know, struggling with grades and things like that. But even as they get to be ninth, tenth, maybe eleventh graders, does that change for some students at your school? Um, and what about them? What do you do for them?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't believe that every student in our school should be going right to college, right? And so, like, that's just sort of like my operating mm-hmm. principle is that they're the the pathways and journeys that that kids have are so different in the circumstances that impact like the circumstances last year with the pandemic changing like entire lifestyle situations for families changed whether or not students were planning on going to college and now they were picking up shifts at jobs to help pay the rent so people weren't getting evicted and now college seems just like going and paying money to 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 read aristotle Mm -hmm. right or to or to practice like statistics doesn't seem as relevant okay Yep. right and so like that piece is important too but some kids will come in and be like man i'm not going to college and i'm like i'm not gonna make you go to college mm-hmm. what i want you to do is have a plan i want you to like know what you're gonna do when you leave here maybe that's take a gap year maybe that's go to an organization like Europe mm-hmm. and get some college credit and some internship type experience maybe it's just getting a job at like electric boat or or someplace like that. I think the the goal for me is that students have thought through it and that they have options. So I really encourage all of the students to apply to CCRI, the Community College of Rhode Island, mm-hmm. partially because we have a a program in Rhode Island where you can get those two years for free yep. if you go right from from high school to college. But also because like you know students change Would they come in with as as Mm -hmm. people in ninth grade and 10th grade and 11th grade and they change honestly from september of their senior year to may of their senior year when they're making that decision sometimes made
0: to to september when they see their friends going as well
1: right and so yeah i mean i was just filling out an application for ccri last night with a kid and uh that's a kid who was just like i'm not going Mm -hmm. and then like all of the friends went to orientation mm-hmm. and we're doing that and they're like, I actually think maybe I want to do it. I'm like, well, why don't you just apply and see? Like you, you know, so we don't really push college for all, but there's a dangerous line there, right? Cause you don't want to lower your expectations mm-hmm. for what students are capable of by saying you don't want to do college. So I'm not going to force you into it. You have to supplement that. I don't want to go to college with like, all right, well, what do you want to do? Right. right. Talk to me about, it. let me help you find some job or some internship or something that's going to be connected to what you think you want to do so you can experience that right Right. if you want to be a if you want to get your cdl license right and drive because you need to be more you need a schedule that's more predictable and you can't go to school because of your family situation or whatever Mm -hmm. it is like i'll help you figure out how to do that um and so you know sometimes students can feel really intimidated to come to the college or career office and be like i don't want to go to college and for us it's like that's not the goal yeah right like we want you to be able to come to us and we're never going to tell you what to do Mm -hmm. we're just going to like help you position yourself so that you and your family can make the best decision uh for for your circumstances
0: that's great i know we'll actually talk more about that as we um have subsequent podcast episodes as we get further into the college application journey in november december and even when we get you know into the late winter months of like okay now where are we where, where yeah. are we? Where are the kids who haven't applied? What do they do? How do we support them? So you'll be a repeat guest. Um, just look forward oh, to really? that. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. It's like a series. Cool. <laughs> well, I, I don't know if I, you shouldn't promise me as a repeat guest until you get some feedback on this podcast. I think it'll be just fine. Like <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, all right. Well, my, I, my last question, kind of my last question um, is what would you say are five things that counselors can do right now in the next one month, right? I guess right now and over the next one month to get students to apply to college. Cause we know that is what is expected. Um, like a lot of times it's not just, Oh, let's see who wants to go to college. Like States and districts are actually putting an expectation on a school as to how, what percentage of students apply, right. Or, or you know, get their FAFSA completed. So, There is external pressure as well. And we all know that we feel that and we have to respond to that as well. So what would you say are the five things counselors can do right now and over the next one month to get students to apply to college?
1: All right. So number one, don't be afraid to have the conversation of what, uh, actually, scratch that. Can you cut this part off? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, One, I just like, the wording wasn't right. Number one, ask your students what do they want their life to be? Not where do they want to go mm. and what do they want to do? That's an important distinction. Like I don't want kids to come in off saying I want to be a doctor because there's so many steps to get from here to being a doctor. You don't necessarily know you think you want to be a doctor, but what what is the lifestyle you want? Do you want to have a family? Do you want to travel the world? Do you want to be in a big city? Like don't be afraid to have that conversation even now. Like I think sometimes that conversation gets pushed mm. because it's like, oh, it's 12th grade. We just got to do college stuff now. But it but Students need to think like that, partially for deciding where they're going to apply, but also because the the thinking around what kind of life am I trying to build for myself and what kind of person do I want to be will help support their essay writing, which is like super important when you're thinking about that. So that's like the first thing is like don't be afraid to have that conversation. And so often that's like oh talk to them in fifth grade and ninth grade yeah that, where it's really like in twelfth grade like what do you want to do you know and it's okay not to know and like to be really like confident in telling students that like it is very okay to say I have no idea (laughs) what I want to do or what I want to but I think like that subtle shift is important
0: yeah that's a great even asking that question I think like you said it's a it's a shift and it probably has the students I I mean I know this from experience but it has students thinking about their future in a different way maybe for the first time where they may not have an answer because they may not have thought about it yet or been ever been asked to think about it and now you've asked that question and now they're thinking about what do I want my life to look like? And I think that's, um, that's a great way to put it. Thanks.
1: Yeah. That, I mean, that's, that's just how I like, no one ever asked me that question. Right. <laughs> yeah. No one asked me what I want to be. It was always like, are you going to be a doctor an engineer? Like not at home, but like mm-hmm. at school, yep. like, are you going to be a, a professor, engineer, doctor, lawyer? Like, but they're like doctors have all, that's just a part of who they are. Mm-hmm. And we have to sort of decouple this idea of your career being your identity, right? So like like pushing away this, like, what do you want to do? It's like, who do you want to be? And then like, what careers can support that, right? What are the skills that you anticipate utilizing, right, in the life that you're trying to build? Do you want to be talking a lot? Do you want to be around people? Do you want to be helping people? Do you want to be writing? Do you want to be communicating, traveling, whatever it is? What are the skills or, or elements of the life that you can then translate to like, okay, that sounds like maybe you're you're looking for some type of teaching professor type job let's talk about what that pathway looks like right and what it could potentially yeah, look like. so that. that's an important distinction sort of like decoupling okay. um the second thing is along the same lines of like don't be afraid to have this conversation right now like have the difficult financial conversation with students and families right now right mm-hmm. and what i mean by that is like if A family needs to start to think about what they're going to be able to afford and what they're willing to pay. Now, the financial cost and burden of higher education is ballooning. It's outrageous, right? And so we need families to just to both understand that there is a cost. Mm -hmm. Even if a student gets a full ride, there's a cost, right? There's a cost for books. There's a cost for transportation. There's a cost for supplies. There's a cost for everything. But have the conversation now. Like, what do you... what as a family, what do you think you're able to do, right? Yep. And then start to fill the gaps, right? So if it's like, you know, and you can do a FAFSA, they call it the estimated family contribution the ESC, you can do an estimator, right? To see what the federal government's okay. going to say you can pay. Yep. And then you can match that with, on average, what percentage of need does a particular institution meet? And you can create some type of number that's like, okay, well, it's going to look like if you were to get into school, it'll probably $12,000, right? what's how is that twelve thousand dollars being paid yeah well some students got to take out loans parents gonna take out loans, some of it pay monthly like however it is like you have to start thinking about that now because i never want students to be in a situation where they're applying to schools that aren't financially viable if they get it
0: mm-hmm.
1: like i always tell students although i have you put safety schools on your list i want you to be making a college list whereas if you only got into one school, you'd be comfortable going there and you'd be able to go there. Like, it's not just like, oh, would you be happy there? It's like, can you go there? Well, I, like, remember, it, if you only-
0: I remember with our second graduating class, um, there just seemed to be so many kids who had gotten into schools that they had been working so hard to get into. They got in, had a great financial aid package, but there was still such a gap between what they got covered versus what the family would have to come up with. And I remember those, I mean, the tears, I think you were crying and Gemma and um, Orango were crying and it was just the family's crying. And I remember you had a lot of those, they were crushing at that in the spring that year. For some reason, it just seemed to be more. um, And those are really tough conversations to have and have a kid have to make a decision then without ever having thought that that could possibly happen.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is the, the balancing act of, of college counseling to shift from like aspirational to real, uh-huh. right? Like you want so often like the kids to be aspiring to like, I want to go to this school and go this. And then there's like, all right, well, you said you wanted to go to Stanford your whole education career, but you have C pluses. So unless you're a world-class saxophone uh-huh. player or violinist or can run a hundred, a hundred meter dash in nine seconds or something like yeah. that, right? Like it's not, maybe Stanford's not like uh-huh. so. There's the, the, that. Piece, which is like, let's apply to schools that are appropriate. Mm -hmm. And then there's this other piece. Let's apply to schools that there's a chance we can afford. Now, sometimes you have to take a little bit of a leap of faith though, because you're applying for scholarships. You're like, I'm probably not going to be able to afford Boston College, but if I get into Boston College and I get the Stevens Institute scholarship, right, I might be, that gap might be something the family can work with, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not, it's a hard and fast line, but have that conversation now. So families are having that conversation. Because no one had that. And when I grew up, like we had that conversation yeah. on April 28th, and I had to decide by May 1st. And the conversation on April 28th wasn't like, what do you think? It's like, you're going here, because that's the place that we can afford to send you.
0: Oh, so you um, didn't go to, to Providence College because it was better than URI? Because you knew that URI was well, better.
1: No, Providence College is a superior basketball program to URI. <laughs> but I didn't go there because I wanted to go there. I went there because my family told me I was going there. That's where I had to go. And I was pretty, I was pretty pissed about it. too. Uh So like some of like the things I think about is like, well, how do I make sure that kids aren't being forced to go someplace? Like if I knew I was going to be forced to go to PC, I probably wouldn't have applied to PC. Uh Right. And so that's, that's the second thing. Uh Just like, don't be afraid to have that conversation. Uh, The third thing I, I like to say, like organize them so that you can organize yourself. And what I mean by that is like, spend some time, in the google suite that you're using or, or however students are using and make documents for each of the kids okay make templates that they're filling it out mm-hmm. make folders for them and say like everything that gets written gets written on these documents mm-hmm. so that you can see it because so many times kids will just start a new document they'll share it with you mm-hmm. and all of a sudden i get six personal statement documents from, <laughs> from a kid and i'm like i i don't know which is the most current or anything like that like organize them mm-hmm. this is a hard process give them a process for looking through the common discern what the supplemental essays are in a place to put those, right? Like do, do that as well. Like so much of what our belief at, at BVP in the college and career department around applications is that the story that you tell, like the essays are the most important part, Mm -hmm. right? Like colleges are de-emphasizing the SAT left and right, right? right? Like three years from now, who knows if like we're doing the SAT the same way we're doing it right now. But the story you tell Particularly with these, this class and and next year's class, who had their ability to build activities and interests and resumes severely limited by a pandemic, like the story you tell is important. And so, really organizing them, it's not a natural process to organize students. Like, students, you have to treat it like an extra class without it being an extra class. And so, just organizing it for students that was really, uh, I think, is really helpful. Mm -hmm. And so, it takes some work on the front end. For for you, but I find it because so much of our work with students is giving feedback on essays. It's helpful for me to know where I'm looking um, and teaching students how to use that. Um, I mentioned this before, but like number four is like have students fill out their brag sheet, you know, like we have brag sheets created with questions about what are your goals or what, you know, describe your proudest academic moment or what would be three adjectives that your friends would use to describe you and like do that but force the students to answer all the questions it's really helpful when you're developing your counsel letter of recommendation to have that information right but it's also really important to uh the teachers uh-huh. and in filling it out students discover maybe a little bit more of a line of what they might want to major in or or maybe spark some ideas for their for their personal statement. And so I find brag sheets to be super important, it's something I didn't, hadn't considered and we kind of scrambled to do our first year yeah. and we sort of kind of worked and refined it over the course of the last four years. Uh, and then what was that, that was number four, yep. right? So the fifth thing is, you know, we always tell students like demonstrating interest in colleges is important, right? So like attending info sessions, whether it be virtual or in person mm-hmm. or anything like that, and getting your name in front of an admissions counselor is important. But mm-hmm. in, going to, and I go to all these info sessions, yeah. right? There's, they're not that different. right? Like most schools are telling you this cool new gym that they built. And here's all the different majors and clubs that you can join. And the difference is this school has 3,000 kids and this school has 10,000 right. kids. And this school is com Ave, <laughs> right? And this school has a quad, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like yeah. And so the info sessions are important to demonstrate interest, but the real important thing to discover the vibe, as, the, as like I talk about kids of the students, is to connect with students who are at the
0: school. Mm-hmm.
1: And so colleges provide a ton of those opportunities, right? They have like chats on Twitter and chats on their, like, on their websites and in ways that are engaging with student volunteers like juniors at BU will tell you about their journey and those are the ways that students can really start to get to know whether or not the the environment for that school is is for them right and so that's how you do it even if you can visit the schools right like visiting schools now is a little bit like you gotta be vaccinated maybe they're allowing you to do an outside tour it depends so you can do virtual tours and it's all important but like does it really matter what the library looks like? Are you going to go to a school because this library has got six floors as opposed to four floors, right? Or because this library has got like the complete edition of William Shakespeare. They all have the complete edition of William Shakespeare, right? Like what's the, all cafeteria food stinks, right? Except for on, except for on parent weekend when cafeteria food is (laughs) amazing, right? Like that's, it doesn't matter. It's always the same. So you have to just like encourage students to, to find the opportunities that colleges are providing them to, interact with the students who go there because that's the way to just get a better sense of like what is it like to be a student at this school right and that goes from everywhere that goes from providence college to the naval academy to university of hawaii to community college of Rhode Island, right like you have to get them to talk to students and some of the most powerful student testimonials that we've put in front of our kids our kids who have gone to ccri uh-huh. right and can talk about there's no shame in in going to a community college for two years to figure out what you're interested in. right that's the other that's, like,
0: that's my bestie
1: yeah lakota you can have one, <laughs> to be honest with you <laughs> um, they're getting antsy they're hungry yeah. and also the wind blew <laughs> so, <laughs> the after um so that would be like the the 15th find opportunities and encourage students to do the demonstrated interest stuff go to the info session sometimes you just got to sit through them. right but i've sat through a million info sessions in my yep. life and they are literally all the same <laughs> and like the difference is like is the admissions counselor super engaging right yeah <laughs> or not right but like 80 70 percent of that information is very similar and then like you get schools like northeastern which has like the co-op program so like that's an important piece that's different but for the most part it's it's pretty similar so just have students connect with it i like we'll have students go on RateMyProfessor.com yeah. and read professor reviews uh you know, I always tell students, like, hey, there's good and bad professors everywhere. But, like, hear how kids are talking about the good professors, right? Are those professors, like, hanging out on the quad with you and, and doing this? Are those professors really strict about you can only contact me during office hours or whatever mm-hmm. it is? If you're willing to sort of, dis- like, you know, kind of decipher what's real and what's, like, yeah. someone filled out this way, my professor, because they got see. Mm-hmm. then, like, that can be another way. Because, again, it's a student-based testimonial on, like, how that experience in a class shape them and so i really try to push students to like if we've got a student there i try to connect them there if i know a student there i try to connect them there i try to or i i'll call the admissions counselor and say hey i've got four kids who want to apply to your school like can i get a sophomore on a zoom with them and and a lot of times they have interns in the office or you know admissions ambassadors and, and stuff like that and they can connect you and kids love to talk about the schools that they go to. Now, like they're not, it's a self-selected thing, yeah. right? You're not just picking random kid X, right? right? These are kids who like the school that <laughs> they're going to, right. right? So you have to kind of view it through that lens, but uh, it it's really valuable and it's helped students decide to and not to apply to schools uh, from the list. I
0: mean, I think that's so helpful. Um, uh, we're going to get to what does the follow-up in, like in October, November look like on a different episode because I think there's just so much to cover. Um, and just remembering, you know, our time together at BVP, it, it is so intense. So I'm, we're going to leave it here with the five things that counselors can do right now, but I'm going to add a sixth. So I heard you say that, um, help students focus on what they want to be and what they want their life to be, not just where they want to go and what they want, what they want to do. Um, have the tough financial conversations now. Organize students so that you can organize yourself have students fill out brag sheets and then help connect students to campuses. And I think like five B is you seem to have a, an established, you develop and cultivate a relationship with the admissions offices in at the schools. I mean, you must, ha- I, I know that for a fact, because I've seen it happen, but you've talked about that a lot throughout this um, episode as well as about the relationship or being able to call an admissions office. And that might be intimidating to some people to do But I've seen the relationship that you have and the benefit that it does have for our students.
1: You know, I think like I have no problem calling someone saying, I don't know this. Mm -hmm. So help me with this. Right. And I think so. It's natural for me to be like, I don't know anything about. I I just had this conversation with Mm Rip. I called them on Thursday because we have a student there who's thinking about applying early decision and they're their early decision language was different than I had read in the past. Mm -hmm. And so I just called and said, I'm, we've never had a kid apply here. Mm -hmm. Like tell me about it. And also this is my name. (laughs) This is some information about the school. Can you come and give an info session? Right. And just sort of shamelessly do that. I'm much better at that than I even think I am because it's natural for me to be like, I don't know the answer to this and I need to find out the answer. But like admissions counselors are desperate to talk to people too. Right. Mm -hmm. They're desperate to, to communicate that what we got, in our conversations with them last year is that they were hosting these Zooms and no one was showing up. Oh, wow. Right? Yeah. And like, it was awful for them. The, the, their whole job is interacting with kids and with counselors. Mm-hmm. And so they're not usually, I mean, if you call them during reading season, they're going to be like, you know, <laughs> I got 10 seconds for you. Yeah. That's a question. But like the time to build relationships, you know, going to professional conferences in, in September, October, going on the tours and making sure when the kids are on the tour, you're walking into the admissions office, introducing yourself, Things like that mm-hmm. can, be, can go a long way and can help sort of build that relationship. So if a kid's on the fence, right? I'll have a school call me and be like, we don't know. Give me one more pitch for this kid. Yeah. Right? Like, give me one. And like, because I've talked to this admissions counselor seven times, I have a sense of like, yeah, I think this kid would be good. And here's what's happened in the last two months that that shows me that I think they're ready for the challenge at, at your school. Uh, but it is intimidating. But I honestly think remembering that it—it's not just that it's their job, but it's mm-hmm. why they got into that work, right? Yeah, nobody got right, folks, into admissions to just read
0: applications, right? So <laughs> they yeah. got
1: it to the meet kids and to talk to counselors, and so they're waiting for. I
0: this recommend listening to that, and I encourage kids to do that too, right? Like just kids, so the admission
1: counselor want to hear from he kids, just kids just as so much as they want to hear from from me, and so we always have them try to reach out to possible.
0: That's great. I mean, thank you so much for coming on today and just from diving like into what that process looks like now him, and what you recommend as, you know, really how to help all students, really it's all, it's what the ones who may have all the tools and they know exactly what they need to do it. and just need you for a couple things to those who have it. never done this Take before, care. to how to support families and what to do if there's a student who just doesn't see themselves on that mm-hmm. path. Um, So I'm going to have you back on soon, probably end of October. I won't do it a year. You'll let me know when you're super stressed. Well, you're always, there's always a lot going on. So Um,
1: I don't, I don't believe in stress. Nope. Okay. So I'm I'm joking. (laughs) Yeah,
0: no, but I'm going to have you back because this was, I think, really helpful. And um, there'll be a lot more questions about, okay, now they're starting to apply now. What? So.